wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening. We are so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. If you are using this show as your motivation to be a geek in sneaks, we are right there with you at your workout, at your run. We're hoping you're getting through. And we got to welcome you to DLC, your downloadable commentary for the week. DLC delivered the way it's meant to be, completely free. And that's thanks to our sponsors this week. Prologue Games and Mac Mini Colo for making that possible. DLC the show all about gaming in its many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff 2Ns1T Kanata, and I'm joined as always by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis, the guy who is just bursting with midichlorians, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hey Christian. <laughs> Hello, maybe sometimes read the comments. The comments? Yeah, maybe sometimes read the comments. I don't understand what you're referencing. A lot of time people say don't read the comments, and as a game we'll talk about later this week that I found out about this week, a latest episode, maybe sometimes read the comments. All right. A cryptic Christian Spicer to start the hey, show. Was that uh, pun intentional? Man- was that pun intentional? R- wrapped in enigma. Uh, this is, uh, you, you're, you're baffling me right at the start, which sets a, sets a great tone for the show. Um, we are, we are gonna talk, uh, sometimes in riddles, but sometimes straight at you. We're gonna talk about video games, and we are excited because DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh boy, it's cool because DLC stands for Declaration of a Lunatic Cowboy. Because from Yahoo and Yahoo Tech, <laughs> Yahoo Games, we have got senior editor Ben Silverman. Hey, Ben. I, uh, I'm not allowed to do the Yahoo uh, yodel anymore. They said you can't do it if you're an employee. So I'm glad you were able to do it, Jeff. I, I've done it too many times. They said you can't do it anymore. They put a kibosh on the, uh, on the Yahoo yodeling? They did. Well, at least they said that in the comments. And I, unlike Christian, never read the comments. So, uh, uh, yeah, that's we're not supposed to yodel in, in-house anymore. I think we set a record recently as uh, like a Guinness World Record for the, the most people yodeling uh, at once. The company had a yodel off. I unfortunately was not participating in it. But I think after that, why yodel anymore? We were already the record holders. <laughs> if nothing else, Yahoo has brought us the world record for a number of yodelers. So, I mean, come on. Reason enough to have them as your homepage right there. <laughs> That's right. Uh, all right. We have a ton of news to get to this week. Really exciting. We had Star Wars Celebration. We had some really cool game announcements. And we have the perfect guest to talk about that stuff because he was there for all of these things. So why delay any longer? Let's get to Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. As a listener to the show, you can always submit stories for our consideration in this segment by using our hashtag on Twitter, that is D-L-C-S-O-T-W, or by visiting our subreddit over at 5x5dlc.reddit.com. And we have some uh, a lot of submissions this week, a lot of stories to get to. Uh, ben, as our guest, you get first pick. So what is your story of the week? Well, uh, as you mentioned, uh, last week was all about Star Wars, at least at the end of the week, right? The beginning of the week was about some other games, and then the end mm-hmm. of the week was all about the galaxy far, far away. And I was down at, at the celebration. It was my first time there, and... Uh, it was lovely. It was an awesome convention, and I was not actually there for any of the um, 
really cool festivities, I was there specifically to see Star Wars Battlefront. So I think mm-hmm. that right now, at least for me, is the big news. Star Wars, Battle, uh, Star Wars Battlefront, they debuted the trailer, they announced a uh, release date of November 17th, um, and they showed a little bit of, uh, of, of gameplay. I mean, the reveal trailer was pretty rendered. There wasn't much gameplay in that. But as uh, an elite Illuminati game journalist with no ethics, I actually got to see uh, (laughs) the gameplay in a short presentation. So I got to see about maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes of a presentation that included some of the reveal trailer stuff and then some other things as well. And I'm really excited about it, guys. It looks awesome. Did you guys like it? Well, I definitely liked the the trailer. The trailer was very exciting, but I'm even more excited to hear about what you got to see. Uh, evidently, the trailer, you said rendered. It, yes, rendered, but in engine. So that's a good thing. It's in that, mm-hmm. that really sexy Frostbite engine that DICE is so famous for. But you got to see, did you get to see like, you know, the game running from the POV of what you're going to see as a player? Yeah, so I saw a little bit of that. But like a, one big caveat is that I didn't actually hold a controller. So mm-hmm. that's kind of a big deal. And then the other big deal is I didn't see anybody at all holding a controller. So we saw gameplay, but it was all recorded and it was all pre-alpha PS4 footage is what they told us. Um, so, you know, you had to take all of this with a pretty big grain of salt, maybe the entire canister of Morton's uh, in this case. But <laughs> um, we actually saw, yeah, like, you know... a gun barrel and a little icon in the corner showing like, you know, your grenades and your ammo. And, uh, we got to see, you know, a dude sniping stormtroopers and we got to see stormtroopers like way up in the trees on Endor sniping it at the player. Um, and we got to see the manual switch from first to third person back and forth, which was really cool. And I think, uh, a lot of people are going to dig that. A lot of people don't like first person games or, you know, they, want to see when they're jumping or whatever so it's cool yeah. that they managed to get both of those in there i think that's a big deal um yeah especially for a star wars game where half the fun is look how cool my stormtrooper looks um you know yeah i think that's a huge did it look as good as as what we saw with that with that beautiful trailer yeah i mean it looked close i mean you know again i i, I don't think uh you know they were showing they were showing off all like the bells and whistles and 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 part of the the issue I had with the trailer and maybe the whole thing Endor's fine it's a cool place i guess if you know you like the end of jedi it's <laughs> it's foresty and you can show off lots of foliage and sunlight yep, yep. peeking through the trees thank god uh no ewok uh, uh you although it would have been nice to be able to shoot one i guess um but <laughs> i think when most people think of battlefront they think of epic you know, big battles. I mean, this is a 40 player game. Um, you're going to have 20 on 20. Who knows if there's AI running around as well. So I feel like this might not be the best way to look at the game. I mean, I'm thinking of Hoth when I'm thinking of Battlefront. I'm thinking of a big open expanse. I'm thinking of running alongside an ATAT walker, not just like calling down a, you know, bomb on them from some Y-wings while that looked really cool. And they did that in the, in the demo too, from the reveal trailer. Um, it's still a little unclear what, you know, kind of how the two stack up these kind of cutscenes that look like they're sort of interspersed in the gameplay and the gameplay itself. I mean, I don't doubt that the game's going to look pretty great. Uh, Dice has done some great work with the Frostbite engine, and I think the new systems can push, um, can push the power pretty tremendously. Uh, and they, you know, they had unprecedented access to the vault, um, yeah. and they went in detail about that. You know, I mean, they showed this, you know, them kind of up close and personal with like 
the actual Death Star, like the little model. And they're like, you know, they've got gloves on their hands, like collectors, right. um, taking pictures of this stuff. And, you know, they were at ILM and they were, I think all that stuff's going to really bear fruit in the final game. Um, but I'm a little disappointed that they didn't show the scale and the size, which is so important and was such a big deal in Battlefront. It's not about running through the forest. It's about, you know, big, expansive battles. And that, that kind of bummed me out. So I don't know how much that we saw in the gameplay and in the reveal trailer. It, you know, uh, that stuff can look really good because it's up close and you're looking at trees up close and you're looking at, like, the legs of a walker up close. But what's it going to look like when it's bigger and, like, fog of war starts playing into it and stuff? Yeah. Uh, Christian, what did you think of what you saw of Star Wars Battlefront? I mean, that that trailer is the ultimate um, better live up to expectations trailer, right? Like that trailer now is the new kill zone. It's 2015's kill zone two because holy crap. But again, in engine, it's this weird um, uh, mark from marketing speak of like not pre-rendered, not gameplay. We need a new word. What can we come up with? an engine <laughs> like what does that mean you know that engine that they die uh, frostbite is capable of creating those graphics on a super high powered uh ibm machine that can win a chess tournament You're, you know whatever right like uh, yeah it's an engine uh, frostbite is an incredibly powerful engine oh, cool whatever but i mean for trailers as trailers go it um you know my jaw hit the floor and got the hype train started for that game in a big way i agree with with ben like what is <laughs> what is what is battlefront um but at the same time i think for where they debuted the trailer at um star wars celebration that battle running through indoor on speeder bikes and everything is so star wars for so many people that to show it's either that or hoth and what do you show and hoth i think has been shown so many times that an indoor speeder bike rendered in what maybe looked better than how it looked in Jedi <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> is, is pretty, pretty incredible. That said, um, dice has never had a problem with graphics, uh, this generation, what they've had a problem with is stability. So, uh, I don't know how they show a trailer for that where it's like net code working. <laughs> <laughs> All in footage engine, in fashion. engine. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, all footage captured during actual multiplayer event. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I you know I I definitely agree with you uh, on a lot of those points. Uh, it, it, it's a stunning trailer, and um, I think we're in this this age where the marketing plan for the rollout of these things are hitting these big events. And I'm sure we'll see much more information at E3 right around the corner. And they'll, you know, they were like, well, we're going to show Endor here and we're going to show this there. There also another big piece of news was that the battle of Jakku, which I guess is going to figure prominently in uh, the next film is going to be downloadable content. It's going to be downloadable content before the film comes out, which frustrates me to no end as a spoiler averse human. But, um, Still, I think that's that's pretty cool because this game is very much focused on the original trilogy uh, and does not feature stuff from the prequel trilogy. But it looks like it's going to feature some episode seven downloadable content, which is pretty cool. Um, I like the fact that we saw X-Wings going through a canyon. You know, there's going to be some some big vehicle set pieces, although they say no, no space stuff, which is a bit of a bummer. But, um, they, you know, be able to fly X-Wings close to the ground, I guess, and, and shoot womp rats just like back home. Um, 
I'm I'm in. I'm in for this game. I love the original Battlefront games. I I have hope, like you do, Christian, that uh, it doesn't it isn't fraught with with uh, problems and bugs like like Battlefield was. Especially because this game has one of those hard set in stone release dates that needs to coincide with all of this all of this marketing machine, the the new film coming out, the downloadable content stuff. So I'm hoping that that isn't uh, isn't problematic for them, but. Uh, I'm really excited by what you saw, Ben. That it just the fact that the game looks great and and is is close to what I want for this kind of franchise. And the fact that, like you said, they're they're using the actual models and we're at a place graphically and power wise with these consoles where it matters. Like that stuff yeah. matters. Like it, it didn't matter two generations ago if they had access to the models because it was going to look like a bunch of polygons anyway, right? So it, <laughs> it matters now. Yeah, and it really, you know, it, it does feel authentic. There's something about just the way that you're running around on Endor, the way they make the base look, or you know, even like with that quick shot of Vader, um, and you know, blocking. Oh, I don't. Think, I don't even know if they had that in the reveal trailer. I think in the reveal trailer, like you just kind of hear like the breathing or something. But in yeah, he comes tra- out at the end. Yeah. Oh, okay, right. So we saw him actually. Like the guy runs into the base, and he kind of he's, he runs in there with another. Uh, rebel who kind of runs in front of you and all of a sudden he like grabs at his neck and basically gets force choked out and then you Mm. turn the corner and there's vader and you shoot him with your blaster and he deflects like rapid fire deflects these blaster shots with his lightsaber like really quickly and then runs up to you and that's when the, the gameplay little demo trailer that we saw ended so it was a little bit more intense and i'm really interested to see how they make how they make that stuff work because the heroes and the villains being able to play as Vader or Luke as a power up or whatever, that's huge. And I have no idea how you balance that. And I have no idea how you make that, you know, fun and, and cool. I, I, I never really, I never really got into that with the other battlefront games. I would just kind of roam around and snipe people. So, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, there's a lot of work ahead of them for sure here. Um, I do know that they're going to be, uh, showing gameplay at E3. I think they're actually going to be having, like live gameplay that, that people at the show can play from what I hear. And, yeah. uh, and that's huge. Cause I mean, as Christian said, this stuff looks great when it's running on a PC and often it, at E3 and at game demos, even though it's a PS4 game, they're demoing it on a PC approximating the power of a PS4. And right. that sucks. Uh, you want to see it running on actual hardware. So hopefully we'll get some of those answers at E3, but boy, I mean, yeah, what a coming out party in terms of a, a trailer is pretty awesome. Let me ask you this question. Uh, there's a lot of discussion in the in the chat room right now about uh, a lack of a true single player campaign mode, which is consistent for the Battlefield brand. It was always a multiplayer game, but what we saw with Titanfall, I think gives us more pause, uh, at least with recent history of these games coming out and having a lot of excitement, but being multiplayer only. And then sort of, I think there being some disappointment there, or at least, at, le- at least it seems like Titanfall two is going to have some sort of single player component. Do you think that that is going to end up being problematic for this franchise as well, Ben? Well, they did announce something called mission mode where you're going right. to have some sort of offline experience where they're going to take you through some iconic moments from the films. Basically um, bots you, though, right? It's just bots. I, I think so. I mean, it's bots, but it's also co-op so you can run around with a friend, uh, you know, either split screen or online. Um, and yeah, that feels more like they're throwing you a bone, right? I mean, that's not a real single player campaign. Um, but I think maybe with Battlefront, it's not as big of a deal as Titanfall. Like Titanfall, nobody knew what exactly we were getting ourselves into, especially, I mean, really up to the end, everyone was like, well, we know it's like multiplayer, but 
I think even at the review, I, I, I went and did a review event for that game. One of the very few times I've done that. And, uh, and we all played like hours and hours of Titanfall multiplayer. And we were all like, okay, where's, where's the single player? Like we're ready. And then it was that kind of lame half campaign thing that was like kind of online, yeah. but, and everyone was really bummed out. I remember standing out in front of this event, like with some other journalists, and we were all kind of like, are kind of just yammering about how grumpy we all were about that. But I think with Battlefront, this has always been a multiplayer game. So maybe people are going to approach it and say like, yeah, I wish there was single player content, but like my memories of Battlefront was multiplayer or playing kind of, you know, with friends. So maybe it's not quite going to have the same sting. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, it's a bummer. I mean, think about Jedi Knight, how great that game was and how great some of the single player Star Wars games have been in the past, KOTOR and stuff. Like it's hard not to want to see more of that for sure yeah yeah well we'll be getting plenty of star wars single player games i'm sure um from ea uh, christian you how do you feel about this so you think that that's enough to be just multiplayer only i think it is i think the pedigree of battlefront and to some extent even battlefield purists might appreciate the fact that it's multiplayer only because battlefield hardline had the single player component in battlefield traditionally and its sister or cousin battlefront are multiplayer only also, I think the huge thing that Battlefront has going for it is the Star Wars hype train and just Star Wars in general, right? I mean, it's evolved as a new IP. Titanfall is a new IP. Star Wars is MF and Star Wars, right? Like, and especially mm-hmm. they don't need to put a single player component in when they put that you can play as Darth Vader in it. You know, like this, the game's going to do great. All right. So, Christian, what is your story of the week? Well, speaking of games with great graphics, um, holy moly. I mean, it almost looked like real life to me. I feel like it looked like video. I don't know if you guys watched the trailer for Guitar <laughs> Hero Live, but... Uh, <laughs> Photorealism with actual uh, guitar, photos. Guitar Hero Night Trap is coming out. Um, <laughs> so, snark and kidding aside, Guitar Hero Live has been announced by Activision. It is made by, oh gosh, I forget. They made the DJ Hero Freeze. games like forget the studio's name robo freestyle freestyle Freestyle. thank you um and it's um the single two kind of main components to the game the live which is the single player portion and then the tv which is kind of you're playing along to music videos and there are different channels where they say right now you're not subscribing to them or buying them it's just you want to play classic rock that's thursdays from seven to nine you just jump in it's a random playlist a la pandora or something and then the single player campaign is you're rocking out with your full motion video band and the crowd reacts when you stink and your bandmates as t- real bands totally do when you drop a, a chord in a song they come over to you and go dude what are you doing man we're in front of five thousand people and then you can sh- you can shred again um and they have introduced a new guitar that eschews the pinky button it's three um, frets, black and white, above each other, so six total buttons, but only three across. And um, in my expert opinion, from what they've shown, this game looks like a pile of dog crap. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yet again, we could not disagree more, but but go ahead, Christian. Really? No yes. way. You think this looks good? Those full motion video intros are going to be dumb the first time you see them. I think this game looks awesome. <laughs> oh, my I, God. 
I, I love the fact that they're being so bold and taking such interesting steps that, uh, you know, we have the return of Rock Band and the return of Guitar Hero. And only one of those two franchises is actually sort of stepping outside its wheelhouse and doing something different. And, and that may work well for Rock Band in the sense of making a consistent platform where all your DLC will carry over from years ago and still work. And I think that that's cool. But I love the fact that they're doing something different with Guitar Hero. They're making a completely new way of playing these songs. It's not – they're stepping away from that sort of Fisher-Price color-coding system that made it look a little bit immature, I think, to certain people's eyes. And giving you new ways to play chords on, on that guitar neck, which I think is cool. And I love the full motion video. Oh, I think it's no. brilliant. I think it's no. awesome. I Okay, tell me why I'm wrong. Well, no, I mean, I already did. Sorry, I was just, I couldn't help myself. Now, what I do think is cool about this game is the Guitar Hero um, TV or whatever. Like, that is an interesting way to go about DLC or expanded content and having, like, scheduled programming where you go in and, and rock there's like no a extra, no extra cost to that. Sure. That's great. <laughs> All right, Yet, so of the three the of us, of the three of us, only one of us here has actually played this game. So, Ben, tell us which one of us is right. You're both right? Is that a can I say that? <laughs> Sucks that I just said that. I wish I could just go with, I probably lean more Christian on this, um, even though uh I loved the music games. Maybe because I love the music games, I'm bummed at kind of seeing them just to drag the corpses out for us to like bang on with drumsticks. Actually, not even drumsticks <laughs> in this case, right? We're just banging on it with a pick. Um so yeah, I got to play the game and uh I got to tell you, like you sit down for that demo and they're, they were really nervous, like freestyle games, guys, what's the cat's name? Um, Jackson, uh, uh, John Jackson, or I can't, I can't remember his first name. Um, he's really energetic and, uh, you know, he's one of the DJ hero guys and like, is like thick, speaks in like a thick, like very cursy British accent and was like super like cool about everything and shows <laughs> me this guitar and like hands it to me right away. And the first thing I said is, is this a prototype? Um, <laughs> and he, he said, no. And, and you always feel kind of crappy when that happens. Like, oh man, like, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's like super lame. It just feels like it's been five years and you're trying to reboot something that everyone already got tired of. Everyone has guitar hero or rock band gear, like in their garage or in their closet. And we don't know what to do with it. And we, or we got rid of all of it. And you're like trying to get me to spend a hundred bucks to come back into this thing for one new button is a little bit of a hard sell. Um, that said, I agree with Jeff because when I played it and I mean, I don't know about you guys, I was, I was, you know, like a passable expert, on guitar hero and rock band guitar by the end of the whole ride. And mm -hmm. I thought I was just going to kick this game's butt. Like I was going to play this demo and blow everyone in this, uh, in this demo you know, away. Like the PR people, everyone was going to be like, wow, that guy's rad. And I sucked. <laughs> I was, I was terrible. I was 90, I was like 95 on easy. And then I was like 65% on, on medium or something because just moving that, that extra, you know, moving down a string, essentially adding a string, even though you still have just the one, uh, the one bar, you know, that you're hitting with your right hand, just having to form chords, like you, you really have, have to read voc the vocabulary has changed. And that has a big impact when you're playing the game. Like you're looking at black and white notes and you're not looking at the colors anymore. There's only three as well. If you look at screenshots, you'll see that there's only three strings. That looks a little weird. So your, your brain has a hard time wrapping itself around this thing when you're so used to the, the old look. So I love that there's a new learning curve. I think that's great. 
I love that I don't just sit there and go, okay, I'm going to play the same thing uh, that I did five years ago. And Rock Band 4, I mean, now we don't know what they might be introducing that's new to it, but they've already said that they're not introducing new instruments, that you'll be able to use your old instruments, which is cool if you have them, but it also means there's no innovation with the instruments. So that means the note highway is going to have to look sort of similar. I mean, I don't know. You're saying innovation, and I'm hearing that Rock Band is good to the consumer and pro-consumer. And someone at Activision or Freestyle Games forced a way to sell you new plastic junk. The only reason it feels cool and different, in my opinion, and why you weren't able to pick up where you left off, is because I gave you a keyboard that had three of the characters jumbled in it. Like that's you don't sit down at a keyboard and go, "Oh, dude, this new MacBook is amazing." They've totally changed where the E key is. Awesome. No, that sucks, dude. That is such. That is such a inappropriate analogy it has nothing to do with a keyboard it's not about it's not about like the whole it would be a keyboard if the idea of typing an email was a game that is meant to challenge you which it is not like the, I, don't, I don't know i haven't played it but to me this doesn't make gameplay better it's just slightly different and therefore it takes your brain half a second to recorrect before you learn this i mean how long did you play well, maybe the demo? It is. half hour max yeah, not I think, even. I mean, I played it for ten minutes, but I, you know, I, I think the the I think you're, you're you're. I mean, you're onto something in the sense that it's not maybe the life changing experience that you want when you're like trying to reboot it. Like you're coming back and saying, "You guys got to play this game again." I don't know if this hardware change is enough to get people stoked um, about it. So, I, yes, it's kind of not consumer friendly, and, and there's definitely people out there who are going to be pissed off. You can't use the old gear, um, but I. But again, what Jeff is saying, they're trying. I mean, whether it's like cheap or cheesy or whatever, at least they're looking at it going, let's try to give them something new as opposed to just like, let's give them the same thing again. I mean, maybe it'll suck, but at least, you know, I don't know, B B for effort, C plus for effort. (laughs) I like looking at the chat room right now because we have literally Christian is so right about this. And then right underneath that Christian is so wrong about this. Uh, (laughs) So it's a, we have a divided audience as usual. Um, I, I, I think you could look at it cynically and say they're just trying to sell me new plastic instruments, but they're they're trying to sell you something. Yes, that's the whole goal of pre- creating a product that is compelling is to sell it to you. I don't think they're changing up the instrument as a as a big switcheroo so I can't use my 5-year-old old ones that who has kept their instruments for 5 years, not me. me. Um me. I, I have no, Christian, yeah, I got them. Okay, okay, everybody but me. <laughs> I gave all of mine away. But the point is I, I think that that's the very cynical way of looking at this. Whereas the, the way I choose to look at it is that they literally looked at the guitar and went, what makes the most sense when you're trying to convey the sense of, of playing a, a guitar? Uh, d- does it make sense to have four big blocky Fisher Price buttons or does it make more sense to try to mirror at least, uh, on a simple level, the idea of moving up and down strings. And I think that's cool. I think the fact that they kind of took the emphasis off your pinky and made it a three finger uh, process, but up and down, which is, I mean, let's face it. The idea of playing guitar hero has always been rocking the solo. It's not like doing chords and, and playing the rhythm portion, although that's part of it. But for the most part, it's doing the solo and doing the solo is most accurately depicted by having multiple strings. And I think this is a way to make that feeling of rocking a solo more cool. I know I'm crazy. I know I'm crazy and, and, and Pollyanna, but I really, I'm really excited about this. I mean, but well, look, I, more, more problematic than, than the guitar is what 
Christian started at, uh, started with, with, with the night trap analogy, this live video, dude. Oh my God. I mean, I, uh, I was thinking sewer shark the whole time. And I even said, I think I said that out loud accidentally. I was like, this reminds me of sewer shark. And they kind of looked at me like, no, nope, that's not what we're going for. And I'm like, yeah, I remember, I remember in sewer shark, the guy being like, good job, kid, get back out there and shoot some more of them swamp rats or whatever. The guy, character actor, that great. That yeah. Great dude. In defense of, in defense, that's, that's not what sewer shark was going after either. Yeah, <laughs> like, I know, right. But, but you can't help but feel that way when like, it's kind of quiet and you hear music in the background and like this roadie comes up to you and like stares at the camera and he's like get out there dude like you know rock him hard or whatever and you're like <laughs> okay i'm gonna go rock him hard and why do my <laughs> bandmates look like this this isn't the band i want and oh look there's 400 people replicated 17 times to make it look like a giant crowd like oh god um it's i, I just can't get on board with this look i mean jeff it's it, you you're going to laugh. And maybe like it, that's the point. Like It's cheesy and you laugh the first time. But as Christian points out, you're not going to play this game once. Hopefully, you're going to play it over and over again. And I, there are going to be so many in- incredible internet memes about like you know the dude with blue hair who's like throwing you the devil horns and how ridiculous he looks. Like I'm sure it's just going to become mm. a joke pretty quick. Uh, all right. <laughs> I think it's cool. I, I think it's cool. I may, I may eat my words at some point when I've, when I've played it. Um, uh, but <laughs> right now I think it's a cool idea. Like, yeah. What makes more sense trying to convey the experience of being a rock, rock star looking at 3d generated band or looking out first person into an audience like you would, if you were really playing, I don't know. I think, that, I think it makes a certain amount of sense. Now, having said that the, the people, like leaning over to you, talking to you may be the annoying part, but I like the idea of the audience yelling, you suck when you start sucking. And when does although, that you happen? Know, uh, well, most bands life. don't suck. That's the pro. That's the point is like, <laughs> you know, this is you and as an amateur getting up in front of 500 people. That's kind of fun. Anyway, um, also, it- if we learned anything, if we learned anything from back to the future, it's that if you do start sucking, your, your band me- member does lean over to you and go, Hey man, <laughs> What's the problem? <laughs> they should right. actually just make everybody leave. I mean, that's what happens, right? If you're playing a gig and you suck, like people like go to the bar and just go to the bathroom or leave the club. Like it should thin out, and then you like <laughs> your festival sucks. You've blown it, and uh, I, I mean, maybe there funny. was to be. Yeah, I mean, but then, yeah, it's like this you start doing well, they suck. they just come back in. <laughs> And like, like hey, this guy's doing good again. Everybody come back from the bar. I mean, you joke, but that is how they presented it, at least. That's what happens. You suck, they boo you hardcore, and then you start hitting like 10 notes in a row again, and they're like, yeah, look at my boobs. Look at this sign I made that says you rock. Like, I mean, I almost feel like they didn't lean into the cheese enough, and if they went straight up Sewer Shark and that's what they went for, then I would almost be on board. I feel like this game is going to have its legs based on the guitar hero tv and this guitar hero live thing is going to be a sad sad internet joke um akin with tony hawk ride where it's just like what the crap and then of course and then we realize that jeff is a downloadable band member and i realize why he liked it the whole time. <laughs> no don't don't start stupid rumors that aren't that are stupid <laughs> um on that note, guys, uh, I want to take a second and thank our sponsor. We have a new sponsor this week, and it's pretty cool. It's Prologue Games, and Prologue Games is an indie developer, and they have a game that's just about to hit 
Steam. It's a, it's in early access right now. It's this swamp noir adventure game called Knee Deep. It's on Steam Greenlight right now. And it is, uh, I said early access. I meant Greenlight. It's on Steam Greenlight. And this is a narrative focus game. It's, it's sort of like something that, uh, Telltale would do. Uh, but it's kind of, people have described it as a telltale game by way of Kentucky Route Zero. And it's in this theatrical environment. It's set in this, this backwater Florida town called Cypress Knee. And you are investigating the suicide of a famous actor as three different characters, a blogger, a local reporter, and this has been Private Eye. And the game has all kinds of really cool stuff, uh, religious cults, uh, dirty local politics, uh, gators, because it's in Florida. And it actually takes place on a stage with actors moving between sets instead of roaming through an open world. And that way you're kind of focusing on this interpersonal drama rather than gathering and combining items to unlock conversations. It's a really unique, interesting way of handling it. The emphasis is on the characters and the story rather than on sort of arbitrary puzzle play. And it's available right now on Windows PC, Mac, and Linux. The first act is ready to release in June, but the reason that they're sponsoring our show is because they need your help because they're in Steam Greenlight and they need people to vote up the game so that uh, they get uh, you know more votes on screen- Steam Greenlight. So you can visit needeepgame.com slash greenlight. Check out their the trailer. It's really cool. It's really um, uh, thematic and and um Dark, really, really a cool trailer. You should check it out. And it just launched this week with a brand new, the, the brand new trailer that I've been talking about. And they just need votes. So go check it out. See if it's worth your vote. Needeepgame.com slash greenlight. You can watch the trailer there and you can, uh, read up. They've gotten attention from Eurogamer, Rock Paper Shotgun, um, and other outlets have really talked it up. So, we're excited that they're using uh, our show as a way to get the word out. I think you guys will be interested by what you see. It's a really different, interesting game that DLC listeners, I think, in, in particular, would would give a shot to. So check it out, needygame.com slash greenlight. Vote yes to uh, get them some some Steam Greenlight pub. Uh, we really appreciate them supporting uh, 505 and DLC. Uh, okay, guys. So surprising no one, my story of the week is we got a release date for Heroes of the Storm, everybody. Release date for Heroes of the Storm! Uh, June 2nd, it's happening. Heroes of the Storm is going to be released. All of my, uh, all, all of my world will, will shake and change and, and no, it won't because I've been playing the beta nonstop. It won't be much different, but the open beta starts May 19th. So anybody can get into it without having to buy in, which is what they've been doing now. And, uh, and then the game goes free to play June 2nd and there was much rejoicing. Um, I play Heroes of the Storm probably three to four hours a day, which is not healthy for any human being. Um, Ben, are you a MOBA guy? Are you ready for MOBAs? I More am MOBAs? so not a MOBA guy. I feel like I have to be a MOBA guy soon because it's, it's the, we're living in a MOBA world and I am not a MOBA guy. Um, and maybe Heroes of the Storm will be the game that gets me on board because I am still suffering with a, from a crippling Hearthstone addiction, um, mm-hmm. I finally have. I thought I was out. I thought I was done, and then the iPhone version, and now I'm back in, and so it's a nightmare for all of my loved ones. And I apologize <laughs> to them publicly for what I do on Bart when I'm not talking. Why to is them. your Ben? Why is your phone always no battery? Why is your, why is there always no battery on your phone now? I don't. I don't. I just call home. Just call home once or twice, please. 
Oh yeah, no, I haven't answered a text message in a week. I mean, it's just been, <laughs> it's been a disaster. Um, but look, that's you know, Blizzard man, when when they're when they're firing on all cylinders, they are uh, unbelievable at you know converting you uh, if if maybe you're not into a certain genre. I mean, I was playing you know CCGs prior to Hearthstone, but not the way I play Hearthstone. And uh, I keep hearing great things about Heroes of the Storm, so I'm going to give it a shot. That, uh, I think the, the beta opens in May, right? May 19th, yeah. Uh, like and open I, you know, open beta, May 19th, and then it's, uh, you know, free to everybody on June 2nd. Um, yes, I, I was right there with you. I, ha- I was not a Dota guy. I was not a League of Legends guy. I watched them from afar and kind of thought... I think I might like those games, but I'm sort of, eh, I don't really have the effort. I can't put the effort into to learn. It, it just seems so daunting. And then here's the storm happened. And it, it is exactly what you're describing with blizzard is, is it made it accessible to me. And I have fallen madly deeply in love with this game. And um, I'm very excited about the game coming out. I didn't think it would be happening this quickly. I am, um, I'm, I'm, uh, the game is in, a, in great shape. You know, I, like I said, I play it a lot and it certainly is a ready to, ready for prime time game. But, uh, I, you know, Blizzard is notorious for sticking things in beta forever and ever. And so I didn't think it was going to happen this quickly. Um, I should say I am also, I also have the opportunity, uh, today actually to interview Dustin Browder, which you will probably be hearing on next week's show. Uh, we're going to do a special extra bit on next week's show. So I'm going to interview him. If you're excited about Here's of the Storm, um, that will be next Monday. So, so definitely listen for that. Uh, I'm really excited to talk to him. Oh, lead designer, uh, lead designer of Here's of the Storm at Blizzard. So, um, People don't know who Dustin Browder is. Come on, Christian. if they don't know who Here's of the St- what Here's of the Storm is, they definitely don't. Uh, what is uh, what is your your you were planning to try this game last week, and your computer didn't allow you to log in or something. Well, you, were, you were mystified yeah. by technology in some way. Something happened. There's somehow a conflict between my login and my authenticator. And if anyone listens to this, works at Blizzard, or can expedite a email request that I sent to them um, a week ago Sunday, uh, that'd be great. I'm still waiting to hear back from them. It still says that you know we're looking into it, so I don't know. Hmm. Well, hopefully um, you'll you'll get a chance to try it. I don't know if you'll like it, Christian. I I honestly do not, but. Um, it, I love it with every fiber of my being. And well, I don't um, know. I don't know if you just got this press release email from them, though. But it turns out E three this year has been canceled, and everyone's just going to be playing Heroes of the Storm there instead. So, um. <laughs> <laughs> fine by me. Actually, BlizzCon just went on sale too. Um, and you know, and as Ben brought up, uh, Hearthstone is out on iPhones or and Android phones as well. So, big big week for blizzard and how uh, is a hearthstone phone does it what one what phone are you playing on how big is your real estate and how does it uh translate because i know that they were you know they put a decent amount of time trying to make it phoneable ben you can take that one yeah i mean yeah so they changed the interface a little bit um i guess a lot sort of uh so yeah i mean it's i think I think it works. I think it's a little, uh, I mean, it's, you know, not, it's not as lovely as playing it on, you know, you know, a MacBook or some, you know, awesome computer or something where you've kind of got, can look at the, uh, the cards a little bit better and brighter. Um, I still am rocking a, an iPhone five S so I don't have a big glorious six or something or six S or whatever. So I, you know, probably it's better 
uh, oh, sorry, six plus six S. By the way, that's out now. Um, <laughs> just a couple um, months and it will be announced. Away. Yeah, I'm just gonna drop in a little. Uh, yeah, breaking news. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a little small, but I mean, it works. It's it's relatively stable. That's the thing that I think I was most surprised with. I thought the thing was just gonna be crashing left and right, and and it works. I mean, I stay connected. I can I can play, you know, a match. Uh, you know over not just over wi-fi it seems to be working pretty well just uh you know over the network and uh it, it, it's good it works it's hearthstone i mean you have to be you got to be into hearthstone to want to play it on your iphone i don't think this is necessarily going to be the game that gets somebody into hearthstone if they're not already into hearthstone i don't necessarily think it's a, as good of an experience as you're going to get on your computer but um for people who are already dialed in it's i mean it's awesome dude what do you think jeff yeah, I agree. They did a really great job making it work. I, I have the the regular six iPhone six, um, mm-hmm. so I don't. I'm not on the gigantic six plus screen, but it 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 works plenty well, and it, it's smartly done. It, you know the way that they prioritize information, and it's not just what was on my iPad shrunk down a little bit. It really mm-hmm. is a redesign and a re uh, reimagining of the UI, and it works really really well. I don't think I'm going to be playing it on my phone very much. I. I am super paranoid about phone battery life and I'm super paranoid about my phone running out of juice. That's why I almost always don't game on my phone. And I've been playing it on my iPad. Like it's great. And if I'm going to be playing Hearthstone, it's probably going to be, I'm probably going to be near my iPad. So this doesn't really help me too much, but it's cool that they did it. I mean, I think it's cool that they did it. Yeah, I, I agree with that to an extent. Like, you know, I, I tend to not. I used to play Hearthstone all the time at work. Uh, probably, maybe I shouldn't have just said that, but I played Hearthstone <laughs> all the time at work. Um, uh, and you know, I would play with other people at work. And we would take a break, quote unquote, and like you know, play against each other or whatever. And it was it's really easy and just sort of seamless when you're just sort of loading it up, uh, you know, as another browser window. And I think on your phone, it, it, it is a little bit more of a specific use case. You know, you're, you're going somewhere you don't necessarily have Wi-Fi, and you know. I've played so many of the iPhone games that I love uh, just to death that I'm kind of always looking for something new to play. And this is both something new and something old. It's something I'm familiar with, but it kind of keeps me connected to a game I really like. So I think in in that sense, if you travel a lot or if you're if you're on the road, the iPhone version is really good or the phone version, I guess, if you have an Android, too, if you're that guy. (laughs) <laughs> with if, if you're that majority of people right <laughs> all those people yeah um the thing about uh, heroes of the storm is that uh, june 6th is either going to be a great day or like the worst day of my life because it's it's all gonna it's gonna be a real test for their matchmaking system which i'll admit is not great at the moment or at least doesn't seem great at the moment and it's either going to be this flood of 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 new victims for me or it's going to be the most frustrating teammates ever that are going to be flooded into the game so we shall see we shall see how that goes but it's going to be really interesting to see how heroes of the storm does i have been enjoying watching heroes of the dorm uh, a little bit and i'm going to actually go to the finals next week to watch that um I don't know if any of you guys watched any of it. You were probably doing Star Wars things, Ben, but, um, yeah. really interesting the way that they televised it on ESPN three. Um, but yeah, very fun to watch. All right. Um, there's some other news items I want to hit before we get out of this segment. And one of them has earned the right for this song. Oh man, we are 
are we are getting so close to E3, you guys. It's already I'm getting so, so excited. Um, we've got our first sort of news bits trickling in about what we can expect at E3, uh, and one of them from Microsoft is a series of tweets from Phil Spencer, the head of Xbox division at Microsoft, saying that uh, you should expect a new exclusive IP from them at E3 and that they are going to try to make E3 more about first per- first party games at Microsoft this year than in previous E3s. So, uh, wild speculation now, Ben, what uh what do you expect from Microsoft? Are you are you expecting them to blow you away with some some new IP and some new first party stuff? Are we going to see Halo and Gears of War in the same show? What do, what do you think? Whoa. Well, first of all, I, I'm looking forward to playing that theme song in Guitar Hero Live later this year. Jeff, <laughs> um, really stuck. You with suck! <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a big deal that Microsoft um, – maybe not a big deal, but I think it's a, a smart move for Microsoft to focus on first party. I think that's a great thing because every time we go to their press conference, they show like Call of Duty and we're all like, dude, it's out on the PS4 too. Like you can't right. just – you got to own your console's stuff. And Microsoft tends to just show all these third-party games. So I'm excited that they're going to focus on their their stuff. As for what that game is, I, I have no idea. I don't have any insider information here. I mean, Gears and Halo at the same time, that would be cool. It'd be smart for them to bring out a big franchise, franchise like that. But I also feel like feel like everyone's getting a little tired of of just seeing the new versions of the old games. I feel like everyone's itching for a little more new IP. I mean, if Bloodborne taught us nothing, it's that people thirst for this stuff. I mean, it sold a million copies, and that's a brand new uh, franchise. Now, that might not be Is as it? many. Is it, though? I mean, for March... Um, on a new system. No, is it a new? Is it a new? Is franchise? it a new franchise? Oh. It's kind of not a new franchise, right? It's got a new name and a new setting, but it's not really a new franchise. Yeah, I, it's yeah, like okay, saying, yeah, I, I, you know, it it's makes, like saying Assassin's Creed uh, Pirate Edition is the new is a new franchise. It's not really. Well, really? but they don't get they don't benefit from having souls on the game box when you go to GameStop. I mean, for sure. Like if, you know, if you're, if you're a real big gamer and you're in the know, you're going to know that it was made by from software and who they are and who the developer is. And, but I think for just more of a general population, I mean, I was really surprised. I, I wrote a review of that for Yahoo and I was really surprised at how many people commented. And I did in fact, listen to Christian's advice and read some of the comments in that review. Um, <laughs> had no familiarity with this franchise and were like, it sounds awful. It sounds too hard for me. Should I try it? And, uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think it was smart of them to give it a new name. I mean, yes, it's sort of at its core, a, a dark souls game, but, but that's not how they branded it and packaged it. Um, and I, I think people want to see new stuff. I don't think they just want to see gears of war and halo again on the Xbox one. Well, certainly Phil Harrison, uh, or excuse me, Phil Spencer agrees with you uh, and says that they will have at least one new exclusive IP, which is very exciting, I think. I hope it's not in the sense of it being, uh, a, you know, although I like the fact that they have these smaller uh, uh, independent games like Ori, but I hope it's not that. I hope it is really a big new AAA kind of um, uh, franchise. Uh, Christian, what's your take on this tweeting news? So. Just crazy speculation. Zero inside knowledge. I think they'll have new IP from Insomniac. Another new bit from Insomniac. Sunset Overdrive I don't think was the sales sensation they want it to be, but it was a critical success and 
you know, made the console something very unique and cool. Um, they, you know, they even did a, the white Xbox One bundle with that. And then I'm going to say that the Forza Horizon 2 team, that the Forza Horizon team is going to be doing a new IP also that is a little more action based car driving game of some sorts. And then they'll have an announcement from a studio that you didn't expect. And I'm trying right now to come up with what that would be. That will be well, another don't blow exclusive. our load for our big E3 prediction episode, Christian. Yeah. You're, you're, well, come on I'm now. not. It's too I'm, early. Believe me. I've got so much BS inside of me, Jeff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it comes oh, spewing uh, out every Monday at 11 a.m. Uh, Pacific time. <laughs> a, a Ubisoft exclusive. That's my crazy one. That that partnership has gone full tilt the other way. They did the Assassin's Creed 5 uh, marketing and bundle bu- partnership with Microsoft. Previously, it had always been an e, a Sony E3 press conference part of theirs and i think it's going to go all the way back the other way and, and ubisoft will do some microsoft exclusive game shown at e3 but that flies in the face of what he's talking about i mean he said that yes they will be doing these third-party deals no, no. and that is not still a part of the thing but they're saying first party first party first party um so i think well, my- i think you're going to see a lot more about crackdown i think you're going to see a lot more about which i'm excited for i think you're going to see a lot more uh maybe there's a um well, I think we're definitely going to see a lot more Halo. It's going to be the Halo show because Halo is this year. But, uh, but you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see what else. Traditionally, Microsoft's first party hasn't been – has kind of been a sleeping giant. So I hope what that giant they, wakes up. What if they bring back Battletoads but in the vein of a Souls game? Because Battletoads games are always hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Battle isn't, that a, isn't that a Konami, uh, a Konami joint? Battle, well, Battle saying, I think they own it. I think it's rare, oh, right? Yeah, rare. It was, was, it was rare? rare's, one of Rare's first games, yeah. Interesting. Um, any of the other these other stories? Christian, you put a bunch of rumor stories in here. Do you want to touch on any of these? Well, it's just the same thing. We'll, 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 we can touch on them. I'll just say them so people know, uh, and then we can get some chat going over the weekend as we build into E3. I think all this will come up. But um, Mass Effect 4 details leaked through a survey. So there's a rumor that Mass Effect 4 details are out there, and mostly that it will not be Shepard. It will be separated from time and space. And this rumor came about through a survey. Um, giving it credibility is that Dragon Age Inquisition details leaked uh, almost exactly the same way, and they were spot on in terms of details about that game. And then the other leaked is Disney Infinity 3.0, which had uh, a run of new characters, Olaf, Sam Flynn, um, and rumored to be, of course, the Star Wars Disney Infinity as well. I mean, the hype train is in, I mean, it is chugging. It is barreling down the track. So we'll see more of these. Yeah. Um, one last bit before we move on, uh, the end of the Phil Harrison era at Microsoft, Phil Harrison, the uh, vice president in Microsoft in Europe, um, very outspoken guy who's always on stage at E3. Uh, Ben, your favorite memory from the Phil Harrison era. (laughs) Oh God. Oh my God. I don't know. Didn't he run Atari for a while? Was he at Atari? He did. Yeah. It's got to be, it's got probably, I don't know if he was there when they did that Infograms theme song, but that would be it if he was there <laughs> during the Infograms theme song portion of the Atari experience. Um, I never really knew Phil. I mean, I think I interviewed him once or twice. Um, but uh, I mean, you know, I think it's a, it's, it's notable news. It's at this point, you know, people come and go from these, these, these CEOs come and go from these companies, these VPs so quickly. I mean, didn't, what's his name? Matrick just left Zynga again. Maybe he'll wind yep. up taking Phil's gig back at Microsoft. Who knows? Yeah. Um, it's a merry-go-round. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think Microsoft's 
you know, kind of trying to forge their, their new plan and, and kind of, you know, they've, they've sort of righted the ship on the Xbox, um, uh, after their disastrous start. And I think they're looking at having, I mean, look right now with uncharted four delayed and with Zelda delayed, they got the exclusives for the holidays. So I feel like they're probably on a, a fine course at the moment. And, and I think Phil said he was going to be doing something with, uh, I don't know if it was like third party software or something. He's going to be kind of like some sort of, some sort of selling stuff back to Microsoft or something like he's just going to take some tech gig now and make a billion. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. He was, uh, always, I think an articulate spokesman for the brand and, uh, interesting guy, but yeah, I don't think that this is really going to have much impact overall on, on their strategy. Let's, uh, move on. Let's go to the, uh, let's go to the playlist guys. How about that? Before we do that, before we get to the playlist though, uh, we do have a second sponsor this week and that is Mac Mini Colo. Mac Mini Colo is the original Mac Mini hosting company to make it so easy to set up and maintain without the hassle of a setup fee. They have world-class data center currently hosting hundreds of Mac Minis for satisfied customers from over 40 different countries around the world. Mac Mini Colo, make sure you get great high performance no matter where you are. You never have to worry about running out of space because you can get up a, up to two terabytes of storage and up to 16 gigs of RAM. And they have a special deal going on right now. All they need to fill 100 spots. Oh, that's English that I'm not speaking correctly. <laughs> they need to fill 100 spots in their data center as soon as possible. So they're offering a full year of hosting for just 100 bucks. Wow, that's easily the lowest rate they've ever offered. Just visit macminicolo.net slash 100 to learn more about this awesome deal. They are offering uh, the popular pro package at nearly 90% off for a full year. It's a great chance to try the benefits of hosting in a data center. So just remember, it's macminicolo.net slash 100. Macminicolo, where low cost meets high performance to create the perfect Mac server. Uh, ben, what is on your playlist? Wow. Well, um, it's been a pretty awesome April. I've got to say, uh, it really picked up. I've been playing tons and tons and tons of Bloodborne, which I think we're all playing, or maybe we're all finally stopping with Bloodborne for a <laughs> while. Um, but I've been playing a lot of Mortal Kombat. I reviewed Mortal Kombat. I am back into Mortal Kombat. I have been uh, getting my innards ripped out by all kinds of people online. I have occasionally ripped out some innards. Um, I really like it. I think it's a really good video game. I mean, it's a big, you know, there's a ton of content in there. Yeah. What I really, what I really like most about it is, I, I don't know about you guys, but like the when innards you play ripping. A game, yeah, definitely. All the <laughs> just pools of guts. Um, no, I, I really like. I'm intrigued by the characters. I mean, they introduced, I think, was it seven or eight new characters, and I'm just in intrigued by them. Like when I play fighting games, I typically just, you know, like Blanc is my go-to or Chun Li. Like I have a couple, that's it, and I just keep playing them over and over again. And with Mortal Kombat, it's sort of always been Scorpion and Sub Zero. I'm kind of a lameo like that, but but this time I've really tried to get into some of the other characters. I think they're really cool. And I really like the the new weird moves and the, the, the way they balanced it. Um, so I, I just kind of am diving in and digging into it. I, I, I played a little bit online. Now I'm just sort of going through the towers as different characters and trying to sort of learn all the cool, crazy new combos. And, um, and of course the, 
I mean, these guys have to be committed. These fatalities are way, way over the top. They're disgusting. I love it. <laughs> it's an inner dripping good time. Yeah. Sure is. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Mortal Kombat X as well, and it, it almost could be called Mortal Kombat The Next Generation, right? Because it's, mm-hmm. it's like the kids of all of the characters that we know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I agree with you, man. There's so much here. There's so much to this game. Uh, mm-hmm. I was very impressed that they managed to cram so much into the box. I think the uh, the story mode in particular is is pretty fun, and I think they found a really interesting way to do it. Now, people who have criticized uh, games for having too much QTE will probably be upset by the amount of QTE that's in story mode. But uh, I think it's cool that, that like, it's basically you're watching this 3D animated movie that stops a couple of times and lets you fight people. Um, and while the, the fiction is convoluted and strange and not particularly well done... Uh, it still is fun and it's still uh, a great looking game, a great looking story. I, I thought that this particularly story mode in these types of games is hard to pull off. I think they did it very well with the previous Mortal Kombat and this one I think does it even better. Um, but obviously this isn't what people sign up for. They're not excited about story mode when they get these games. They want great fighting and the fighting is great. The fighting is great. As you said, it's, it's ridiculously over the top. I mean, we've gotten into like Looney Tunes territory now it's like (laughs) it's like an itchy and scratchy cartoon right it's it's you know his entire skeleton is ripped out of his body and and shattered and twisted around and then all of a sudden he pops back up and he's back in the fight you know um (laughs) but that's fun i i don't know i think we've gotten so far down the the gore hole if i can use that term that uh (laughs) that that it's not even it doesn't even register to me as violent anymore it's just a cartoon. Uh, maybe I've just become so desensitized that I can't even, I can't even handle it anymore, but, uh, it's just, it, it's just ridiculous. And, and the, the x-ray moves are really fun. They're fun to pull off. It's fun how it, it's established, like the meters and how you earn meters is, is really cool. Um, the using the items in the environment is really fun and it makes the, the stage selection uh interesting and relevant and it's not like it has been before where you can like knock down to the second level or do all those things it's just like there's stuff detritus in the background and i'm gonna pick it up and smash you in the face with it um i don't know i'm having having a real blast with it i didn't think i would i i also think the the way that they have all the unlocks happen where you earn coins by doing basically anything. And then you're in this weird, like first person grid based cemetery where you open stuff where you can be attacked by a, a wolf for some reason. <laughs> it's just like, they just threw all these ideas against the wall and give you, they give you things to do in a fighting game, which is what you want. And it, it, it prevents it, I think from becoming too repetitive. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it, they definitely didn't edit much. Like, like that crypt, the first person crypt, it's, it's kind of wonky. Like, you know, you're kind of wandering around. It's like you turn to the left and your whole body has to turn before you move forward. It's like a grid that you're walking through. And, it's, yeah. you know, it's so 90s. It's like mist almost. And it's it's wonky and yet somehow is perfectly in tune with that kind of slap together, you know, garagey feel that sometimes Mortal Kombat channels really beautifully. I mean, that story mode, you know, it's it's short, it's terrible, and it's also awesome. Like, it's a telenovela version of Ricky O or something, you know? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's like 
it's like way too dramatic. It's impossible to follow it. Like everyone's really intense and guts fly out and none of it makes sense. And I'm on board. Like that's Mortal Kombat. All of these ridiculous things. It's kind of what you sign up for. I think people are getting pissed off about the microtransaction stuff. And I'm, I, I kind of feel for them for that too. Cause I mean, I, what yeah. really bums me out about that is like on the opening screen, like right when the game starts up, it says like press start, press start, you get to the first menu. And right in the middle is this awesome shot of Goro. And it says press triangle to buy Goro. <laughs> yeah. Like, dude, yeah. like give me a few menus before you're asking me to buy something. Like I just bought this game for $60. So I definitely think they're, they're pushing it a little bit there. I don't know if that's, nether realm or warner brothers or who's really pushing that probably warner brothers um but i think you can look past that because there's so much depth there's so many things to do in this video game it's like you know who cares really yeah and i I should mention that um i a reference to me and a reference to christian also appears in the game so i might not be you can take my opinion with a grain of salt as always but i would criticize the game and do criticize the game where it where it uh you know, comes up short. I think you're absolutely spot on about the microtransactions. It sucks that we live in this era where that has to be shoved down your throat constantly. And it's always front and center uh, for a $60 game. But I think that there's a lot to like, I think there's a lot to like, it, it really does deliver on a, a solid fighting game that feels chunky and thick and beefy. You know, you want that feeling when you land a punch and Mortal Kombat has always been good at that. You know, when you land that uppercut, that sound effect and the guy goes flying, it really is that series. And, and this game delivers that in a big, big way. You you always feel like you're kicking the living crap out of somebody, uh, especially because half the time you are, you know, blowing up their face and removing their, you know, innards, as you said, uh, but yeah, and there's so much to do. There's so much. I, I also have been having a lot of fun in the towers, uh, ascending the towers and, and the weird like test your luck where you can, it just throws bizarre stipulations at you and you don't know what it's going to be before you start the match is really fun. I, I will say I don't like playing this game and these games in general with a controller. And it, it bums me out that I've been playing this so much with a controller and, you know, talk about plastic instruments. I, why can't my, my old, uh, my old fight stick from two generations ago still work on these new consoles. I shouldn't have to buy a new fight stick every generation. Yeah, oh, yeah. I have one from the I have one from the last Mortal Kombat game, and it doesn't work, and it totally bums me out. Because yeah, there's something there's something about playing these games with fighting sticks. It's just sort of in their blood. I mean, they're called yeah. fighting sticks. Yeah. And especially Mortal Kombat that has a lot of the like back forward, back forward stuff. Whereas mm-hmm. you know. Uh, Street Fighter doesn't really use that particularly often, but uh, that works so well with a stick and doesn't work too well with the D-pad or a thumbstick. Anyway, it frustrates me. But um, So Danish Eyed says PS3 fight sticks will work with MKX on the PS4. And I know there's also, oh, we talked about it months ago when it was announced. I brought it up as a story of the week um, that there is tech out there like Skull Girls is going to implement it that will allow you to use old um, fight sticks on new consoles. So people are definitely trying to address that concern one two um i had no idea uh, until people started tweeting at me that we were referenced in the game and jeff where does that take place oh uh, well it happens when uh there's this particular there's a particular fatality that cassie does uh where she takes a selfie and there's a bunch of uh there's a bunch of names that come up as it, she posts it on her facebook wall and uh, references to us might be in there for eagle-eyed 
listeners. I've had a bunch of people already text me pictures that they've seen of, of our names in there. So, um, uh, maybe yeah. in the comments. Oh, read the comments. It all makes sense. <laughs> Mind blown. I got it. <laughs> well, wow <laughs> jedi he jedi mind tricked me laid an egg it it, it he, he it laid a dragon egg and then he walked into the fire like an hour into the show and it grew into <laughs> dragons it grew into dragons everybody that was a long uh, play setup that was well done <laughs> well it wasn't meant to be it was meant to be jeff knowing what i was talking about but uh, <laughs> i had no idea what you were talking about so i have no idea taken this plunge yet but i think jeff we're gonna you're gonna bring it over we're gonna twitch it on thursday right is that still the plan that's the plan i hope uh oh yeah i uh, i thought we were yeah okay i thought I you wanted to play bloodborne but we can play yeah let's play M- mkx oh, I mentioned, dude i mentioned either or both i mean mortal kombat weekend <laughs> two player i i went back and and uh, back catalog because you had mentioned you know both you talked about how these games feel in the visceral sense and i don't know the last time i love mortal kombat um the franchise is always i mean i suffered through what is it deadly alliance and um some of those real turds mk4 gold i had on n64 or whichever one that was called i know i have two versions of it i have it on um dreamcast as well and um man there's been some garbage but you go back to those old games and it's the you know where our current society is in terms of desensitized gore where you do Sub-Zero's fatality in Mortal Kombat 1, and it's just, what? <laughs> like, that, there was, I mean, this was the nightly news, was this? The outrage, really? yeah. yeah. And it's it's insane. It also, going back to those games, has shown me um, how little my play style has evolved. Like, I think it's because I was such a, uh, a round table pizza, MK1, MK2 junkie little kid that like my go-to is still freeze uppercut freeze uppercut and it's like oh wait no (laughs) (laughs) that is like the worst thing i could be doing right now but it's crazy those games the evolution of those games to think that they're still being made and that this is 10 and that mortal kombat to some extent came out of the midway um bankruptcy almost stronger than it was before with netherrealm studios taking control and wb really letting them go crazy with some of these things and you look back at Mortal Kombat 1, which, you know, was violent and whatever and cool and took the world by storm when it came out, but is not a good fighting game in terms of complexity or depth or intricacy in what you can do compared to Street Fighter 2, which I think holds up much better. But man, if they haven't found ways to keep these games fun and interesting, whether it was, you know, battle chess essentially being included in one or a kart racer in another or now the towers that they've kept doing story mode. I mean, I think they have made the most compelling single player fighting games for years now. And the creativity over at that team, I mean, hats off to them. They fully rebooted the rebooted the franchise with nine. And then they found a way to make this dumb, 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 dumb story work for 10 and they embrace it. Right. It's so silly because it is, it's, it's a, uh, mk the next class which i think mk11 has to then be the college years because i <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh yeah, what else crazy. is on your playlist ben what, do you, what else have you been playing well i you know i think 2015 is the year of the hard video game at least it it certainly feels that way because um you know i i played ori to death to completion uh i am 
I don't know how many hours into Bloodborne, an embarrassing number of hours into Bloodborne. And then I just finished Titan Souls uh, on the trip down uh, and back uh, to the Star Wars Celebration, which was another very hard video game. Very short. Hardcore cred confirmed, man. Yeah. Yeah. It was... was, I, yeah, I did it on the Vita, which was even harder. I think I got some extra props for doing it on the Vita with that stupid little joystick. Um, I, I really like that game. I think it's really um, – it's smartly built. I'm a little bummed out about the aesthetic. Like I'm so done with the 8-bit. I can't 8-bit anymore. I just – I see it 8-bits and I'm I, – nope, I already did it. I've done 8-bits. I did it 8-bits when 8-bits <laughs> were hot and then I did 8-bits when they redid 8-bits a couple years ago. And why am I still playing 8-bits? Like we – these – these systems can do a lot more than this. So I, I get it as a kind of cool aesthetic. Um, and in this game, I think it, it works because they don't overplay it. It's not like, um, you know, old school chiptunes music and trying to like, you know, bring you back to the day. Nothing wrong with Shovel Knight. I think that it, you know, has, a, has its place. But I really like the way they kind of married this look with a very mature, you know, very straightforward and kind of refreshingly simple uh, game design. I had a lot of fun with it. Have you guys played it? Have you, Christian? I haven't. No, I have not. It is uh, it's downloaded, but has not been played yet. Yeah, yeah I mean, give it a shot. I mean, it's you know, it's just boss fights. It's it's you know, somewhere in between Shadow of the Colossus and. Well, I don't know. I guess it's just Shadow of the Colossus. Is an eight bit game. I got nothing else. I mean, it kind of looks like Zelda a little. Um, you know, it's one of these games. The only thing that frustrates me, other than the occasionally the aesthetic, is that you know it's got a world that they've built. You know, you don't just walk down a hallway and fight a boss and then fight another boss. And much like Shadow of the Colossus, you've got this world to explore. But in that game, you would like hold your sword up and the light would point you in a vague direction, and you'd kind of charge there on your horse. And those moments were were beautiful. Those moments where you weren't fighting something were almost as beautiful as the moments where you were like clinging to the top of a beast with your sword and your legs flailing around. And this game sort of does the same thing by giving you a world to explore, but there's really nothing to do. And it doesn't feel, I just didn't have as much fun. I mean, you're just looking for these Titans and, you know, a lot of it's just sort of walking and and wandering around and, uh, I get what they were going for, which is kind of make you feel lonely and make you feel like the only person there. And, and what's the point of all this? And is there going to be a big moral at the end of it? Like there was sort of with shadow. Um, I don't think it worked quite as well here, but the fights themselves, the star of the show, these, these boss fights are really cool. I mean, I, I'm interested to hear what you guys think. Yeah. I, I, I guess I'm tempted to play it. It, it, I, I guess I'm a little, have a little bit of eight bit fatigue like you. Uh, but also, you know, Bloodborne is sort of the hard game I'm playing right now. I, <laughs> I don't need another, I don't need another headache game. I, you know, I don't know. And I'm playing so much Heroes of the Storm, really. Let's just be honest. There's, there's not much room in my life for anything else. Ah, boy. Um, I don't, I like seeing this type of game. And I think Shadow of the Colossus was, you know, one that did it so expertly well, where if you make your game all about the boss fights, then you really need to make sure that they're something special. And I, and I want to see people take this in games that even aren't all about boss fights. Cause I feel too often, unfortunately, you'll have this awesome level and then you'll get into the boss fight. That is almost a toned down version of what you had to do to get there. Or it's just a guy with two X health and one cheap move. And, and I think that's, frustrating um i almost feel like and not being super far through bloodborne um but you know enjoying it and plugging my way through it 
I feel like to some extent the the second boss or first if you do it is almost an example of that. And I know the game from what I've said or what I've heard gets more creative later, but it's just kind of a normal dude that's a little super powered and a little quicker than others. And, you know, not knocking Bloodborne, just using that as a reference because it's a game, a boss I fought recently, but I, I would love, 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 or Deus Ex, right? A new one coming out when the first one launched, those boss fights were uneventful. And I would love somehow to see these games married. Like imagine Zelda, full-on playing Zelda, and then your boss fight was the Flying Colossus. Like, right, that's a right. dream game to me. Yeah, totally. And I mean, just about that Bloodborne boss, one of the things about Bloodborne that I've discovered, I'm, I'm you know, I, I haven't beaten it yet, but I'm pretty, I feel like I'm pretty close. Um, the bosses don't really go in order of difficulty. Like, you think in most games they sort of do that, but like that boss you're talking about, um, I don't know if we're if we're if you guys have already talked about names of bosses if you're trying to keep things spoiler free. So I won't I won't mention his name, but um he's one of the hardest in the game for sure. And it's like this wall that you hit because the boss, the other boss that you'll fight like right before that isn't as hard. And I feel like that's just sort of a bloodborne breaking the rules thing. Um and and this game, uh Titan Souls, uh sort of does a similar thing in the sense that like you never really know which boss you're going to struggle with you never really know where like your particular skill set doesn't work so well in this fight you know and i like that as opposed to just each boss is going to get harder and harder and and you just you know it kind of feels daunting i like the idea that i might fight a boss and be like hey i totally have this guy's number from the beginning and kill it on my first try and then there might be another one that I just, I can't beat. Like, I like not knowing what's going to happen with boss fights. And uh, that doesn't happen enough. You're totally right. In, in video games, it typically just kind of feels like I've got to master what I already mastered, you know? I like what Kent Doggy Dog says in the chat here. He said, if there's a game where you just fought Bruce Springsteen, he would be sold. Just the, the boss fight. <laughs> or you could, it would be like you would fight the boss and then you fight uh, Tony Danza. You fight Tony Danza first because you don't know if is he the boss? Who's the boss? You don't even know. And then of course Bruce Springsteen comes in and he's the boss. And then a nope. bonus level of an undercover boss who's really the boss of the waste <laughs> management company. <laughs> Maybe a metal gear, some metal gear character. Uh exactly. Uh, in addition to uh in addition to lots of Heroes of the Storm and lots of Mortal Kombat X, I also have been playing a game that just came out today, I believe. Uh, and it's one of these, there's kind of a new trend we're seeing, um, from big AAA studios putting out passion projects, little smaller titles. Uh, and this is actually a, a cool idea. It's, um, it's called Slowdown Bull from Insomniac. Did you, have you played this, Ben? No, I, they sent me an email about it when I was at Star Wars. Uh, yeah. is it good? What is it? It is. It's very charming. It's, it's very much a, uh, it reminds me, do you remember when the, the Xbox 360 first came out and there was this like flood, uh, well, not flood, but there's a sort of slow pace of releases of Xbox Live arcade games that were all sort of of the same ilk. Uh, Xbox Live arcade games and, and PSN games now have, have really become something different than what they were, which were these sort of more arcadey type, almost like puzzle games. Um, now you're seeing those come out on phones and tablets and the Xbox live arcade and PSN games are more like, you know, or in the blind for- fortress uh, forest, excuse me. And those type of games. Anyway, this is a throwback to more casual, uh, 
It's very charming. It's basically, it, it takes place in this sort of scrapbook world. It's a 2D top-down scrapbook world where everything's, you know, cut out of things and made with popsicle sticks and stuff. Uh, and you play, you control this bull who gets angry very, very easily, very frustrated. He's dealing with anger issues. Uh, and the only way for him to get his anger out is for him to charge and smack into a wall. And if he smacks into a wall, he, he lets off steam and, you know, calms down. Uh, but at, as he, you know, so there's stuff in the environment that you need to pick up. It's little bits of glitter and stuff for your scrapbooking. And you're trying to guide your bull over those things uh, and avoid other things. And you're able to turn him using the trigger buttons. So he's always moving forward. And and if you turn, if you hold one of the trigger buttons, he stops in place and sort of rotates in a 360 degree fashion. But as he's turning, he's getting so pissed off because all he wants to do is run forward and hit things. So you have to mitigate how often you stop and turn him before smacking into a wall, because if he doesn't smack into a wall in time, he's going to lose his mind and, and start, you know, having problems for you as the player. Anyway, it's charming. It's silly. And it's a wonderful little puzzle mechanic of like, well, how do I get over there and avoid that thing and also hit a bunch of walls on the way? Um, I like it. And the coolest thing about it is that they're, they're giving half of their proceeds to charity. So they're giving the Starlight Children's Foundation 50% of the net proceeds from, from what they make on this game, which I think is really cool of them to do. It's a very small game. It's on Steam right now. I think it's Insomniac's first Steam game ever, which is kind of neat. Um, but yeah, I, I dug playing it. it. It, you know, it's a nice little diversion, very casual, but, uh, it's definitely unique and different and has a really cool aesthetic that's, you know, you've never seen before. So I, I liked it. Sounds cool. Yeah. Uh, Christian, anything else on your playlist? last thursday I, I took down the second boss if i don't know how long i'm very new to twitch but whatever i'm having fun uh thursdays around lunch is kind of when i've been jumping on and um twice in that was it twice or three times in that stream i got him down to one hit and then died uh, i got stuck on geometry and it was super frustrating um but then i i played later that night and i took him down i'm still slogging my way through it i do i, I mean i really do find it enjoyable um in a pure sense but also in a study of this is some people's favorite game sense which it is not i mean my gaming preferences i still lean into things like uncharted um last of us gears of war 2 i loved that game when it came out like that's kind of the right balance of story and empowering where you feel like you're awesome the whole game um but i'm sticking with it and then the only other thing that I kind of fired up and still go back to, which is this is so dumb, but like my load screen game for Bloodborne is Ollie Ollie 2 still. So like I combat frustration with more frustration. <laughs> <laughs> Different frustration. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, mean, I get pissed at Ollie Ollie 2 and then I'm like, oh, I got a vent. And then I play Bloodborne. <laughs> but I mean, that game is still great. If you haven't checked it out, um, I mean, I, I really like it, especially with the, oh, this is one rumor I didn't mentioned yet but tony hawk 5 leak right like a, a chef a celebrity chef tweeted an instagram picture instagram a picture of him a catering event that had a, a projector display in the background with a, a legit looking tony hawk 5 logo he since um deleted that picture lending more credibility to the rumor um but, but we knew uh, that was happening right we knew a new tony hawk was coming we didn't know it was five yeah. like they deviated from the he, uh mr hawk it still himself. might not be it right, might not true. be the final title yeah True. But um, yeah, I mean, if you if you enjoy those types of games or whatever, 
it's uh you know it's worth checking out and slogging through it but it's frustrating have you gone back to it at all jeff since the week that you gave it a shot did it click with you at all no <laughs> yeah, that's fine. yeah no i get that <laughs> i mean it's i appreciate the game it it it's one of those games where it's like hey guess what you're you need to have skills to play this and the only way to get those skills is playing a lot of it so do you want to do that and i go well, I appreciate a game like that. I can dig a game that requires that of me and asks that of me, but I got other stuff to do, bro. Sorry. That's kind of my, that's my dialogue with Ollie Ollie too. I feel like a lot of people have that same dialogue with the Souls games. I wonder if, you know, the, the inn is somehow letting you have a mentor because that's what brought you into Souls, right? Was that Dan For that sure. kind of brought you into the world? Yeah. Yeah. Dan Trachtenberg. Yeah. That, and that's what makes those games, uh, I think the, the co-op and bringing people into your game part vital. But I also said when we first talked about Bloodborne, I, I think it is the perfect marriage of the PlayStation, um, or what you call the share play, the, where you can just have somebody watch your game or take over for you. It's so perfect. It's so perfect for that feature. Yeah. Sure. Uh, all right, dudes. So that's, uh, that's our playlist. Um, let's carve out a little bit of tabletop time. Right now, right now. Board games and tabletop games. Oh, man. Uh, I'm so glad that Ben is here. He's got a, you said weekly board game, uh, tabletop meetup kind of deal, yo? I do. I do. I finally did it, guys. I feel really, it feels good. It feels good. Yeah. <clears throat> I credit you two. I mean, I think we, uh, I, you know, did guess it on the show once before, right before fifth edition, uh, fifth edition came out. And, uh, I ended up getting <clears throat> the fifth edition set and, uh, just stared at it for a while. Like, am I going to do this? <laughs> like, am I going to, I mean, I just had a baby. Like, I, you know, am I going to really like, sorry, I got to leave the house to go play a role playing game with some dudes. Like, am I going to do that? And I did it. I decided, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do that. The kid will be fine. You know, give him a pizza. He'll be cool. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, so another uh, dad, uh, new dad, uh, gave me a ring. And, and he's been playing with a group, um, <clears throat> the uh, Fantasy Flight Star Wars games. Um, I like the idea that he gave you a ring and he's like, you have to take this to Mordor, dude. Take this yeah. with you to Mordor. <laughs> <laughs> he gave me a ring. I put it around my neck. Uh <laughs> Weighed me down in the in the shower, <laughs> crawled out of there, and took it off, and made it to his house. So he's they they've been playing Age of Rebellion, which is the um, second in Fantasy Flight's tabletop role playing Star Wars series. Um, yeah. The first was called uh, Edge of the Empire, and that was set. I think that was set sort of during A New Hope. Uh, this game is set in between A New Hope and Empire. Um, and it's great. I love it. I'm having the best time. I've, you know, done it for a few months now. And, uh, I think it's a really brilliant system. I mean, it, it, you know, diverges from the dice of Dungeons and Dragons a bit where, you know, typically you're just rolling, you know, can't, you know, your abilities make it so that whatever number you're rolling is easier if you're a better, stronger character. In this mm-hmm. game, it's all about building a great dice pool. So the better your character is, the more skills your character has, the more positive dice you're going to be including in, in the big roll and the fewer negative dice. And uh, there are a ton of modifiers to that. And the dice rolls then kind of facilitate storytelling. So if you have a really big victory, 
it'll change the way that the story plays out and how you shot somebody or how you evaded something or how you hacked into a computer. You can have a kind of minor victory. You can have a minor failure or a major failure. So it's all yeah, it's to sort the of like, GM. Yeah, it's like yeah. percentage of percentage of of how you did, right? It's like you did you did like sixty eight percent well. So it's not pass fail. It's not like oh you didn't do this or did do this. It's how well you did it, right? Right. And it's not just like critical hit or not critical hit. You know, it's, there are, it feels like there are more shades to success and failure. And that really then plays out in the storytelling and changes the way the storytelling goes. And so it feels like you can kind of contribute a lot as a player to the way the story unfolds because you have a lot more opportunity for kind of marginal successes and marginal failures. And uh, it becomes really playful. And I also just love that it's set in Star Wars. I mean, for me, uh, board games, it's important what the theme is. I, I had a hard time playing Alhambra. I know, I think, Jeff, I think you're a big Alhambra fan. Am I right? You mm-hmm. feel like? Yeah. Okay. So, like, I had a hard time with it because it was just like a market. And I'm like, I just don't want to... I get it. It's like a smartly designed game, and it was just like trading goods in a market. And I was like, I don't want to... I just don't want to be like a... <laughs> There's no Star market. Wars in this market. What, what is there <laughs> There's, no- <laughs> There's no Wookiees. Why am I, why am I here? Um, <laughs> But I like thematically everything about this game. I can envision it. You know, it's easy to like kind of have that picture in your head and, and your imagination can just kind of go with it because, you know, I mean, I know A New Hope and uh, Empire like the back of my hand. So it's just, it's really easy to hop into it. I've loved it. And uh, I actually talked at the Star Wars Celebration to the Fantasy Flight guys about the next game coming out, which is called Force and Destiny, which is more force power oriented. Uh, so there's these three different games and they, they kind of inter connect in terms of their mechanics, but you can really create new characters for each one and they each come with their own rule books. And, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. I would encourage anybody to give them a shot. Very cool. Yeah. I I think, uh, when, uh, Quentin Smith was on the show, he was talking about it as well. It's something I haven't had a chance to try myself yet, but I'm really anxious to, I was standing at a, at a convention once and looking at the table with it on it and going, I should just buy this. I should just buy this, but I didn't. Um, and I'm regretting that now hearing you talk highly of it. I, I heard though that, it it makes it a little difficult for the DM because it's kind of up to them to figure out what your 68%, you know, success means. Like they have to kind of figure out what, what that story wise is, right? Have you had any experience with that? Yeah, no, absolutely. Like I think any tabletop role-playing game, <clears throat> a large part of the experience boils down to the shoulders of the GM and, and how creative that GM can be. And I'm very lucky playing with a very good GM who can very quickly kind of, you know, come up with, with the next step in the, in the story. Um, but yeah, the onus is on the GM, but I think that what we've discovered is that the players really need to help. It's not just, and he's even mm. said that, you know, during play yeah. or like in, at a break, he'd be like, the more you give me when, you know, we get a minor hit or a minor failure, like what, it, what happened? Because you know, like when you're playing D anD D, if you like have a big hit, you say like I, cl- yeah, leave his arm off with my bass, and then I, you know, you describe it yeah. in detail. You have to do that with maybe not big exciting moments, like you're hacking a computer, but you kind of hack it. So what happened? Well, I got these files, but we didn't get these files, and then the GM has to kind of determine what information now you know because you don't know all the information, you know some of it. Right. Um, so there are definitely moments where you feel like you kind of get a little lost in the woods. I feel like the more you contribute as a player in this kind of game, the more you just sort of develop into something big. And uh, every time I've played, we've had some really stellar moments. It's 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 a very cool, very smart series. Series, I think. 
Awesome. Yeah, man, I am, I am itching to play it. And the dice just look cool. Like the dice that it comes with, super cool. Yeah, tons of them. Yeah. Um, well, a couple of weeks ago, I guess a week before last, Christian and I had a chance to go to the um, uh, International Tabletop Day event that was held by uh, Geek and Sundry. And we got a chance to play some games, one of which is a game that has gotten a lot of hype because it is uh, on pre-order right now from Plaid Hat. Plaid Hat Games are the guys that do Summoner Wars and Dead of Winter, and they have a very high uh, high track record, very value-based track record. Mice and Mystics is another game they do. Um, and this is kind of the new game from uh, from them, and it's going to be much more of a sort of in the vein of magic or in the game of Marvel Dice Masters. It's a card-based, dice-based dueling game. It's called Ashes Rise of the Phoenix Born. And uh, we got to play a uh, prototype copy of that. The art is spectacular. It's from uh, Fernanda Suarez, the same artist that did a lot of the stuff in Dead of Winter. It's from the same designer as, uh, as Dead of Winter. Um, uh, Isaac Vega and uh, Christian and I played Christian kicked my butt, killed me, destroyed me. Uh, but Christian, what did you think of ashes rise of the Phoenix born? So they had a preset kind of not preset, but the first five cards laid out for us. And, and one character um, was a little more aggressive and the other was a little more defensive, build up, build up, survive, 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 and then unleash. And I was that character and I, I got lucky. I think I would have won regardless you you did misplay what ended up being your final hand just a smidge. Um, I don't think it would have changed anything, but I mean, what I think is interesting about this game, and it was fun, and, and you know, we had um, you know help for sure, is that it is, um, and, and I think intended to be complicated is not the right word, but um, a lot of variety in how you do things or attack. And what I said to you, tons of options, we, yes, right? tons of yeah. options, and and how you play your hand. And what I said to you after we played is, while the game is fun, I almost feel like I would need to play it a hundred times before I had a strategy in my head where the first 99, I would still be going, oh man, I think I'm doing this right. Is this what I want to play in this moment? Is this how I want to do that? Is this, do I want to save this power up for later? And in terms of people that play a lot of tabletop games in these games, I think it's a, a breath of fresh air we're often these um hard to master but you understand what you should be doing pretty easily to use my fighting game analogy as i often do in, in, in street fighter you learn pretty quickly what you should do and then it just becomes executing it or being in the right place at the right time to do it i feel like this game you don't know if what you're doing is what you're supposed to be doing it's not wrong well, you have there's a million things you i mean there's a million ways to handle any situation um so yeah i think I think there isn't, I mean, I guess you could min max it to the point where you could figure out what the most efficient way is, but there's so many options on the table at any given time. I think it's, there is no one right move, which, which is kind of exciting, I think. Right. It's exciting and, and paralyzing for someone like me, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> where it's like AP analysis paralysis. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And, you know, it, it was really, it was really fun. And it's a, what I think what they say, it's 30 minutes per player. It can be up to, do they say eight? players which seems insane no, i think to four me. he said four but I, it's really a two, it's a really a dueling game it's really a two play he said there's rules for for four players but i don't even know if i would want to do that i feel like it's it really is more like magic the gathering or something where you're dueling each other 
Right, which is how we played in our first time through. It was a little over an hour, but then it feels slow. There's not a length of time between turns where one person is, you know, analyzing the chessboard, so to speak. Um, I think people that are interested in these games, and it's a living card game, not a collectible per se, but they will, you know, they have expansion cards um, in the works and new colors of dice, which also is another variable to it. And if it's that type of game that you're interested in, I think that this provides enough newness to the genre to really be exciting i mean jeff you play more of these games did it was that breath of fresh air or something that won you over or made you feel uncomfortable because it wasn't it was close enough to what you know but not the same i thought it was really a cool idea basically it's it's magic the gathering if you imagine you know the five colors of magic and you have your five different decks and you can mix and match your decks you can have a blue black deck or you know a red green deck or whatever or you can go straight one color uh, this has the same type of thing. There's five colors of magic, but they're dice based. So y- the first thing you do on your turn is you roll all, all your dice and you can, you can decide which schools of magic you want to have in your pool. So you can create, um, you know, a mixed color bag of dice to, to, to throw on the first turn. And then those dice can be used in different ways. So you're basically throughout your turn, you're deciding how to allocate your, the the dice that you rolled and each side of the dice has uh, a different symbol on it and those symbols are ranked in order of power so the most powerful symbol can be used for certain things but can also be used it can be converted into any of the power symbols below it so it's like this hierarchy so you have like we, we've been saying over and over you have tons of options because it's not just what you rolled it's that that roll can be used for this but it can also be used for a whole bunch of other things at the same time and you're spending those resources those those dice rolls uh to pull cards out of your hand and play them onto the field just as you would in magic and you you know you have this phoenix born character who has certain abilities kind of like in hearthstone where you know based on what class you have you have certain abilities but then the cards that make up that deck you can situate however you want so that character will get certain abilities into the deck but then you can build out a deck based on what other kinds of creatures and stuff you want to pull into the into the battle arena so like hearthstone or or magic you're throwing characters down and those characters are attacking the player and that character or the other characters that are down in front of that player so uh you're trying to break through his defenses and defeat his phoenix born but i think where it really differentiates is how you use those dice and the pure number of options you have at any given time because while you have only one action one pure action on your turn you can have any number of side actions and any number of things that can give you side actions so we would be sitting there and Isaac, the Vega, the, uh, the designer would say, well, you can do this, this, and this. And we would both be like, oh my God, I didn't even realize that I could do that, that, and that. So it is a tremendously deep game, but it's kind of daunting in that way too. I think it's exciting and it looks so great. And I think the fiction is really well developed and interesting. You know, it's, it's these Phoenix born characters, these gods, basically this God exploded and his ashes fell. And then where these ashes fell created sort of these demigods. And they're all trying to kill each other to have to get the ashes that they have and combine it with their power and become the one true God. Pretty cool idea, I think. Totally. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it was fun. I thought it was really fun. Uh, I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a hit. Um, 
you know, these games like Android Netrunner and Marvel Dice Masters and uh, Magic, they're, they're very popular when they're done well. And this one seems to be done really, really well. So I'm just going to be interesting to see what the community does with it when it, when it finally releases. But, um, a very well realized game and super cool, I thought. All right. Uh, well, I guess that's going to do it for this edition of DLC. Uh, we do have a parting gift to give you in a second, but I should thank Ben Silverman for hanging out with us, man. You are always awesome, and I really appreciate you doing the show with us. Uh, tell the people where they can follow your exploits. Oh, okay. I love doing this too, Jeff. I'm a big fan of the show. You and Christian are awesome. Thanks, uh, ben underscore Silverman on the Twitter and uh, <clears throat> I'm all over Yahoo. If you go to Yahoo, you check your mail, then maybe there'll be a story that I've written or something that I've been involved with on the network. I work for both Yahoo Games and Yahoo Tech, so I pop up in both places all over. But no yodeling. No yodeling allowed. No, no, we can't. No more yodels. That's so 2014. We don't do that anymore. <laughs> Uh, Christian, what have you got going on this week? Thursday night at the Comedy Store in Hollywood is the uh, the relaunch, the first relaunch uh, live show of the stand-up comedy podcast and live show I do What's New. It's going to be Thursday at the Comedy Store in the Belly Room at 10.30. Um, Dean Del Rey, Brenton Biddlecombe. Tickets are only $2. It's um, you know good, great comics doing new material and then talking about their process. Um, Split Sider is a big fan of the podcast. People seem to like it. You can check it out. It's called What's New. Um, old episodes are still up. That is Thursday. And then um, also Thursday at noon, um, we're going to Twitch something. I don't know what, what it will be, but uh, something on PS4 because my Xbox One is still RIP. And um, Jeff, is uh, we're planning on doing something. Uh, maybe maybe we can Bloodborne or Mortal Kombat. We'll do something for about an hour or so around lunchtime. And my Twitch is just uh, Christian Spicer. So you can see that stuff there. You know, Titan Souls is out for the PS4 as well. Just going to throw that in there. Um, we could, uh, remember we could when get my, our butts kicked by that game. <laughs> that's a remember when my stress break was already Ollie Ollie 2. Like, I don't know. Um, I have a new daughter coming into the world soon. I can't die of a heart attack quite yet. Uh. <laughs> um, as for me, uh, you can always listen to me talk about movies over at the Slash Filmcast. That's at SlashFilmcast.com. Uh, and make with the comedy and science talk uh, on we have concerns at we have concerns.com uh, today's new episode it might be our most bizarre yet uh, we do more voices uh, in this show for some reason uh, it's we we created a team of cancer killing uh, mass murderers uh, don't ask don't ask me why and it consists of Jack the Ripper uh, Jeffrey Dahmer and Arnold Schwarzenegger for some reason so yeah you should probably check that out it's at we have concerns.com um all right, let's get to uh, a little parting gift for the people. What do you think about that? Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is parting gift. Ben, you have a uh, something to send the people out this week to check out? I sure do. I am a tourist when it comes to graphic novels. It is sad. I do not read them as often as I should. It's usually like once a year I'll grab a graphic novel and check it out. And I just finished reading The Sculptor by Scott McCloud. It is stunning. It is a beautiful book. Uh, it's about an artist uh, who has to decide whether or not he'd be willing to die for his art whether he'd be willing to die for fame and for love uh, and, and what that really means if you're an artist, how far are you willing to go? Uh, it's a really lovely book. It's 
well drawn. I mean, it's it's, it's uh, incredibly well drawn, uh, and it's uh, it's a it's a burner. You're going to read it in like a couple hours. I mean, it's I don't know, a couple hundred pages. But boy, I beat that book. Beat that book. That's how my frame of mind is these days with Bloodborne <laughs> and Titan Souls. I totally beat that book in like three hours on uh, on my trip to Star Wars. I love it. The sculptor Scott McCloud. Got to check it out. Awesome. Christian, what about you? Forgive me if I've mentioned this recently. I don't think so. I try to mention it from time and time again and with all this E3 hype train stuff uh, choo-chooing its way. There it is. Into my heart. Um, is that a budget for yourself? I, I, I don't want to be like the parent, but it's something that I do and I usually end up doing it after tax time and around Christmas time. And, um, you know, I'm not a big believer in pre-ordering games, but sit down, look at your budget, know what you can spend on games. And to me personally, I've been doing this since uh, Super Street Fighter 2 on the Genesis where I cut a sh- I taped a shoebox closed and cut a slit in the top and made a homemade and I put, you know, uh, EGM cutouts of Street Fighter characters on it. And that I was saving up to buy that game. And in our world today, it's so easy to, you know, want an Apple Watch, want a, you know, a Surface Pro 3 or whatever, whatever, whatever. And to me, personally, the way my brain works, I get more excited when I know what my budget is and I know what games I can likely get each quarter. And then it's the anticipation of, oh man, gonna go buy this thing and so um if you haven't i recommend spending the time to create a budget for yourself and it makes spending less fear inducing and you get the power back over your wallet note to self when at christian's house for stream look for shoeboxes full of money (laughs) (laughs) clearly marked with uh, video game characters taped on them (laughs) (laughs) um i got to do something incredibly mind-blowingly awesome uh this weekend it kind of came out of nowhere uh a guy, a friend of mine who I haven't talked to in a while, I saw pictures on Facebook of him doing something that looked amazing in the outdoors. And I sent him a message on Facebook saying, what is this? What are you doing? And he said, oh, man, I've gotten into canyoneering. And I said, that sounds amazing. How does one do that? And he said, well, guess what? We're doing something this Sunday. Do you want to come? And I said, yes, not knowing what I was getting myself into. And if you follow me on Instagram, I'm at Jeff Kanata on Twitter and also on Instagram. Uh, that's with two N's and one T. You can see some pictures of me canyoneering this weekend. I got to repel. Well, first of all, we hiked into uh, the, the this canyon, this huge mountain range, the San Gabriel Mountains here in Los Angeles. Uh, you, we're in a massive drought, but we found ourselves waterfalls. And then after hiking this incredibly steep hike, Got to this waterfall and rappelled down a 160 foot waterfall and then another 180 foot waterfall. It was freaking amazing, guys. I can't even tell you. It was like I was living uncharted. Uh, it was a total wish fulfillment thing. Not, not a little bit scary, a lot scary, but, uh, I mean, I've never done anything quite like it. Basically, this is what this first 160 foot waterfall. I'll try to explain what happened. So we go, it's 160 feet. You go down about 30 feet and there was this branch outcropping. Uh, by the way, sheer, sheer drop, sheer drop 160 feet down. You go down 30 feet and we had to actually switch ropes. There was another oh. rope just tied around a tree. So, uh, you get down there. There was a, a woman sort of perched on this tree who was, who was helping us out and giving me instructions on what to do. And I had to set my safety thing onto this strap that's tied around this tree disconnect from the rope i was on and connect to a different rope and then unconnect myself from the safety harness but i was on the safety line 
hanging from a tree 130 feet in the air over a gushing waterfall as I was like trying to figure out how to put my rope on the new, oh, it was crazy, but so freaking fun. So, um, I just want to recommend uh, people trying that and they had the opportunity. <laughs> I've never heard of it before. I've never heard of it before. It's called canyoneering. Uh, but I love the outdoors and, uh, evidently there's like classes in LA where you can learn this stuff. I think I might get more into it because I had so much fun. Uh, but yeah, check out my Instagram for pictures Full of court. me doing that. Full court press to be a Nathan Drake in the film version. You're already, you know, so you look enough like him and now you're doing the real life skills where you're like stunt double. I got this one take. Down. Somebody's got to notice. Somebody's got to notice at some point, right? It's got to <laughs> happen, right, Christian? It's got to happen. It's got to happen. Please. All right. That's going to do it for this week of DLC. That was a real fun episode. I appreciate everybody listening. Uh, thanks to Ben Silverman and Christian Spicer. Thanks to the folks at five by five. Thanks to all of our fun folks in the chat room for contributing to the show in real time. Uh, you can join us every Monday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, if you would like to be one of those cool chat folks. Next week, as I said, is going to be a, a huge, fun, big episode. We have a developer guest on the live show and a special extra big bonus content. I'm going to be uh, interviewing Dustin Browder from Blizzard uh, today, and we'll be in that episode, too. So, oh, man, lots of stuff to look forward to next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. 